Punch drunk. The punches weren't really necessary. Maybe they were super necessary. Welcome to episode 50. Yes, the big 5-0 of the Punch Drunk Podcast, your favorite combat sports podcast hosted by two dudes who cannot fight and know way less about fighting than they think they do. I'm your host, Lewis. And as always, I'm joined by Adam. What's going on, my man? How you doing? Mate, 50. It's wild. I was um didn't even realize 50 was coming up. We probably should have planned something, but we didn't. And uh you know, that's just what we are. We're just humble guys uh, just doing this podcast because we love it and um, we don't care about numbers. Have you, have you got a surprise <laughs> for me? Is this is this like, you know, 50, 50th wedding anniversary? You've got like a surprise uh, Val renewal or something like that? Have you have you arranged a, a shipment of a, a nice new microphone for me? I've actually um, organised Magomedov to come and front kick you in the face <laughs> uh, and knock you out <laughs> in 17 seconds. <laughs> Lives pretty close by. They could probably arrange that actually. <laughs> so you're welcome. And uh, holy shit, how about that KO? Oh my goodness! Yeah, if, of course we are talking about Abus Megamedo's absolute vaporization <laughs> of poor Dustin Stolfus, the sacrificial lamb to get another Magomedov a win inside the octagon. And I believe I saw, uh, saw a statistic floating around online. One of the MMA journalists is tracking it. I forget. Forget who it is, but some, but essentially, ma- fighters with the last name last name Magomedov. Oh, it's Aaron Bronstetter from TSN. Le- fighters with the last name Magomedov are like forty nine and one, or something absolutely obscene inside the UFC. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, you know that that lineage just knows how to fight. It seems even if they're not actually related. But yeah, we we are of course talking about UFC Paris, and mate, what a tremendous spectacle of mixed martial arts it was considering the magnitude of the event the first legalized ufc event in paris headlined by cyril garn the five french fighters on the card they went five and oh the night couldn't have gone better for the ufc couldn't have gone better for mma proponents in france there would have been under a lot of scrutiny considering the way the sport has been perceived up until recently they knocked it out the water. The French fans showed up in force. They packed the arena from the very first fight. It was already three quarters full from the from the drop, which is so rare. Just an incredible event. And I'm really, really happy for the French MMA fans who got to have that experience of an event in their, in their home country, their fighters succeeding. And I drew a lot of parallels to what happened in London back in March, the return of UFC to London after three years. All the fighters, you know, pretty much all the fighters won by vicious stoppages or at least put on excellent performances. And the same thing happened here. It was just an incredible event all round. The commentary was great. The fights were great. Don't have enough, can't say enough good things about what a brilliant event UFC Paris turned out to be. Yeah. And I I was taken aback by how good the crowd was. Um, I'm not going to 
you know, try and put them up against the British crowd. And I don't, I'm not saying they're better, but I also don't think they were much worse. Like it was wild. No, how mate, they were wild tremendous. They were. They were, they were. It was electric. It's not a competition. It was just like European MMA crowds bring it every time. The Irish bring it. The Brits bring it. The, clearly, the French are bringing it. The Italians who travelled over in force to support Di Chiricchio and 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 Marvin Vittori, they brought it as well. They were absolutely wilding, and so much so it prompted a question by one of the journalists afterwards in in the media scrum to say, "Hey, are you guys going to get to Italy?" There's a, there's a appetite there's a hunger for the ufc in italy he said absolutely that is something we're looking at and I'll, i'm going to circle back around to that a little bit later in the pod but mate let's start with the main event one of the best heavyweight fights in recent memory the the local boy the, the native the home favorite cyril garn the big big favorite on the books ended up getting the result ended up getting the win but my goodness our boy the man from Western Sydney, Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa. No shoey tonight or over the weekend, unfortunately. But my goodness, he gave a great account of himself. And I think his stock went even higher after this performance. Yeah, I believe his stock definitely went higher. But it was, you know, first of all, he almost had him. He dropped him, clipped him, more than clipped him. He hit him harder. That, that would have put to sleep a lot of fighters. Uh, Cyril Gunn yeah. got to show off his chin. Then he just outclassed him, outworked him, all of the above. And, geez, like Ty, yeah, it was amazing how tough Ty was. And, like, he, the, Ty's toughness kind of made the fight a way better fight than it probably was going to be. But then also it's like, is he too tough to, for his own good? Like, it, it got ugly, man. Like, there's a, a throw in the towel would have been probably nice a bit earlier. I feel like those, those body shots that he was taking, those kicks – 99.9% of fighters would have just put their arm up and be like, no more, no mass, no mass. But uh, Ty's just too tough and wouldn't drop. And oh, I'd say he's very, very, very fucking sore boy right now. Mate, unbelievable levels of toughness. If they ever want to fortify a building, just find out what Ty Tuivasa is made of and make construction out of that material because <laughs> it is absolutely impenetrable. His gut took shots that were like, in car crashes and he just rode through them it was unbelievable what a tough son of a bitch is and he's true to form he says you know swanging and banging he's always down to scrap with anyone anytime any place and we all knew technically gun was a superior striker going in but the reason why his corner didn't throw in a towel because ty's punching power even when he's compromised he's throwing so hard and with such bad intentions if, if Garn slipped for a second and didn't get back out of range after he threw those shots, even when he was completely beat up and looked finished, Ty could have ended that fight with one shot, even though he was clearly losing the fight. That's the kind of knockout power that he has. And there was a couple of shots that he threw. And credit to Cyril Garn, as you said, man, he showed off his own chin, which is clearly going to be difficult to crack. But Ty was... There was there was a few shots even at the end when he was when he was you know doubled over and looking completely out of it just one of those lands and we could we could be witnessing one of the best comebacks in heavyweight history we'd be talking about Pat Berry Czech Congo levels of, of comeback it was the potential was there but obviously Cyril Gann is just such a classy operator 
And it was so good to see him get his moment. The crowd loved it. It was just a really great scene. Very happy for Tyrrell Garn. Taito Ivasa was absolute pure class in defeat as well, quickly jumping on the microphone to say thank you to the fans and then clearing out of there to let Cyril Gunn bask, bask in his moment in the octagon in front of his fans, doing his own translation. It just, it was just a spectacular way to cap off an incredible event. And now Cyril Gunn can look ahead and go, okay, what's next for me? I probably has to fight Curtis Blades. If he gets through that and can figure out a way to... To, to, to you know not get taken down, not get smothered. If he's able to do that, brilliant. Get him get him matched up with the winner. Looks like the UFC is going to do John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. We think that's going to be. So maybe you give him Stipe. But yeah, Cyril Garn looking ahead. He, he he's going to be challenging for the belt again very soon. That's that's obvious. It's just what path is he going to take to get there? Two things I've got to say on what you just said. The first one. Uh, what is this guy made of? I think one of the commentators actually said that on air and uh, Bisping just said like without without even, like didn't take less than half a second. He just goes, pizza and beer. <laughs> 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 like straight away. Like, He's, oh, yeah, dude, Bis- Bisping was on fire. Bisping had a really good night on the microphone. <laughs> and and uh, the old there was a fight earlier on in the prelims. A guy a guy was complaining about the stoppage. I forget who it was. And Bisping was like, "Bro, you got knocked knocked down or something like that." It was really funny. Bisping was on fire. Second, thing. the whole crew did a great job. John Gooden. Yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but the second thing is, and it's kind of unrelated, but you touched on it. Francis Ngannou and John Jones. Like, I don't care what the history is. I don't care who's where, what, when, why, whatever, wherever that fight is. I don't care. Give a fuck. That is, in my mind, the biggest fight of all fucking time. It really could be. The the return of John Jones at heavyweight against Francis Ngannou, who's just knocking people out for fun. This will be a monstrous spectacle, and the UFC should build that as big as they can they should load that card with events title shots title eliminators you name it it will be in vegas it will be in the fight capital of the world and it is going to be spectacular when it happens i I will believe it i actually probably won't even believe it when i see it but that is they have to be walking into the octagon until the door until the door closes on the cage (laughs) i will believe that fight's happening yeah exactly oh my god even like take the numbers away the pay-per-views i don't give a fuck about all that like in my mind that is going to be the biggest fight in the history of ufc or at least in the history of me really really giving a fuck about the ufc i'm going to be the most keen i've probably ever been for a fight if that happens yeah so i i I couldn't agree more what what do you think's next for ty because we we know where cyril garn's going he's ranked number one he's he's there or thereabouts what do we do with Ty Tuivasa? Because he's been on this spectacular run. We saw on the broadcast the five wins in a row, the five knockouts. He's he's must see TV, and I think you could build. You come back down under, and if you don't do a pay per view event, depending on the time zones and the availability of the other champions and stuff, you could absolutely have Ty Tuivasa headline an event and build an entire event around it. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm not too sure on the opponent. But uh, you still want a, like a, a top-ranked opponent, and yeah, he's got to fight in Oz. I think that's his move, and I also think minimum six months off <laughs> first. Like, holy shit, he got yeah, beaten you, up. 
get an arena in Sydney, Kudos Bank Arena, whatever the heck it's called these days, 20,000 people, headlined by Tai Tuivasa. I'm thinking you put him in with someone like Sergei Pavlovich, who's ranked number five there. Tai shouldn't drop, them, drop in the rankings. He's ranked three. He fought one. He gave a good account of himself. He stays number three. You give him, you give him Sergei Pavlovich, who recently fought in London, I believe. I can't remember, but he's four recently. Uh, or maybe you give him Jairzinho Rosenstrike. That's a fun, mm. fan-friendly matchup. Two big-hitting dudes. The re- and the reality is it sounds like you sort of throw in tie to Ivas to the Sharks. The reality is when you're at the top of the division, there are no easy fights, that everyone hits hard. So, yeah, someone like that would be a really fun matchup for uh, for for Taito Ivasa. Let's build an event around him. Let's give him, let's give him his flowers. If they're not going to bring Alexander Volkanovsky into a whole stadium pay-per-view event around him, which may or may not happen. But if they don't do that, tie to Ivasa, the next best thing, or Rob Whitaker as well, find something for him. And on that note, let's segue into Rob Whitaker's performance because he looks sensational against Marvin Vittori. As we said on the preview, I didn't see a single way in which Marvin Vittori would challenge Rob Whitaker. Take him down. His takedown defense was too good, and his strikes were far too accurate, crisp, violent. And on the broadcast, they, they were clearly saying Rob Whitaker is not a high volume striker. He has about three or four techniques that he relies on, but those three or four techniques are superb. The way he sets them up with different timing, with different looks, off of different angles, and he cracked Vittori a bunch of times. And it just happens to be that Marvin Vittori is just a brain-dead orc who doesn't know when to go down. Whitaker didn't get a stoppage. But my goodness, that was a clinical performance. But where does he go from here? We talked about this beforehand. What the heck do you do with Rob Whitaker? Of course he wants a title shot. The fans, you know, I actually think that UFC fans are incepting themselves to try and convince them that a trilogy is needed, a third fight is needed between Izzy and Whitaker. Because as much as we love Rob, anyone with two eyes could have seen that Israel Adesanya clearly won the second fight. He dominated the first fight. And so now fans, I think it started as a meme, to be honest, that Rob Whitaker won the, the fight and he got robbed. But I think fans are incepting themselves to convince themselves why Whitaker should get another shot at the top because there is no one else essentially outside of Alex Pereira. What do you do with Rob Whitaker? Yeah, it's, a, it's one we were obviously saying in the pod before this fight even happened. And, you know, I, I'd say, like, the, I'd go... Uh, if Pereira wins, give him Pereira. But obviously, there's an instant rematch if Izzy, if Izzy loses to Pereira. So that means he's waiting a year for a fight. And then if Izzy wins, they're probably not going to do Izzy and, and Whitaker again. So that's why it's such a weird thing. And I know they've mentioned him going up to 205. But, like, he, he seems too small for that. Imagine him fighting Polish power. He started and- his career welterweight, mate. He started his career at welterweight. He looks good at middleweight. But he's an undersized middleweight. Look at the size of some of the other blokes he he would be fighting. Imagine putting him in there with pop power or Yuri Prohaka. Yuri Prohaka would run through him because he's just too big. I would like so, go down, like go to lower ranked. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Aussie Tyson Pedro, you know, a guy that's not even ranked or if he is, he's a high, high ranking, you know, say he's the 20th best light heavyweight. I think he'd probably beat Whitaker in a fight or it'd be a close fight. You know what I mean? And he's not even at the top of the close Because of his size and his power. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's just a different fish. It's just different power. And I, yeah, of course we know Marvin Vittori is brain dead orc, but if you can't be putting away Marvin, you know, can't be putting away 
the top of the middleweight division, you're going to struggle to put away guys who are not 205, who are in the cage at 230 plus pounds when Rob is going to go in there at 205, 210, max 215, because he's going to want to keep that movement, his amazing footwork, his ability to pop in and out of range, which makes him such a good fighter. Yeah, I just don't see it. I'm thinking it depends what Rob wants to do. Actually, I don't know if you saw, prob- probably bullshit because it came from Fox Sports and their MMA coverage, let's be honest, isn't necessarily always the best. But they were talking about Rob Whittaker having a heavyweight boxing fight down under with with that um, Jay Opatia or whatever his name is. Yeah. And I then finish because he's got one he's got one last fight on his UFC contract at this point, and then and then later on in the year taking a fight. Now, if Pereira wins that kind of makes sense doing something else, but I don't think the UFC is going to allow it. And, and I'm telling I'm you that, do big that Opatea guy is a beast. Dude, he man. would beat him. He would beat him. Rob doesn't have, Rob is a very, very good MMA fighter, but he does not have the volume in his punches to, to, to do that. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. He would lose that fight against any top ranked boxer. And I don't reckon there'd be much money it's in it. It's just a fact. There, Rob Whittaker, as great as he is, is not a huge household name in Australia. Volkanovski surpassed him, and 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 you know, Bam Bam is probably uh, there, there or thereabouts. But he doesn't have that standalone true value of a superstar. It just, unfortunately for Rob, partially because of his character, he's an unassuming, quiet guy. It's just not a money-making opportunity uh, to the extent that some people might think it would be in my opinion. So I just, I don't think that's a good move. One thing I did think of, and it depends on how willing Rob Whittaker would be to do this, because at the end of the day, he's ranked number one. He deserves that spot. He's the best middleweight on the planet, not named Israel Adesanya. But someone who had a really good performance on his card uh, was Nasadin Imovov against Joaquin Buckley. And he's ranked number 12. He probably isn't going to move in rankings. But Whittaker's pretty much fought everyone else. Do you give, do you give him a shot? He's very, because he, he looked massive as well. Imovov is a massive middleweight. And you go to Rob, look, you want to go to 205, fight Imovov, see how you deal with the size there. And then we can look at moving up to 205 if you can handle that, a, a big, long, rangy guy who you might encounter a similar stature at 205. I think something like that probably makes sense for Whittaker if he wants to stay active. He didn't take any damage. He can turn around. He can be good to go in the first quarter of next year or even you know, in, the, in January. So it just depends on what he's willing to do, if he's willing to put that number one ranking on the line, or if he wants to try and get a shot at Israel Adesanya. But it's not like he's banging the door down. It's not like that was, you know, he didn't come out and flatline Vittori and scream on the mic, Izzy, I'm coming for you. I'm going to get you this time. I just don't know what you do. If you're Robert Whittaker, uh, I don't. Uh, it, like selfish, like from... If I got to make the fights, I'd be like, yeah, if Izzy wins, you get to fight Izzy because I personally would I'd, I'd watch those guys fight 10 times because of the I love the New Zealand Aussie. If it was in Australia, even better. That Like, I'd definitely want to see the trilogy. It would be huge. But, that would um, be huge again. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Has he? Has Whittaker beaten Costa? Is it, I can't even remember off the top of my head because that would be an all right matchup if he hasn't. I can't remember it. I know he beat Cannoneer. Interesting one. I don't know. Beat... Everyone, <laughs> a bit everyone except Izzy. No, he, he hasn't. He hasn't fought Paulo Costa. That's actually an interesting one. That's an interesting one. I, I, I put Rob to to win that fight. But yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Maybe maybe he could do Paulo Costa. Yeah, I'd watch that. Um, yeah. When yeah, is the that. easy fight? Put that as a co-main event. 
the Izzy Pereira fight. Izzy fight is he? Couple of he's, months. Uh, that's going to be yeah UFC two eighty one at Madison Square Garden. That's going to I'm going to be so fucking gonna be good man. before that fight starts. Yeah. Don't don't want to put the cart car before the horse, but we got some serious events coming up. UFC 279 is this weekend, which we're going to get to shortly. But there's some good fights on that. For, for, for what was considered an average pay-per-view only when it, you know, a few months ago when it was announced, it's, it's starting to look pretty good. But let's, um, yeah, let's, we'll get to that in a moment. I had an idea for Marvin Vittori, though, and it sort of ties into uh, Abus Magomedov as well. So let's talk about that fight, who, as we said, came out and just absolutely massacred Stolz for Brutal, man. Poor guy. Tell you what, credit to Stolzfus because he's an American German. He trains out of Germany. He knows all about Abus Megomedov, who's clearly well-known in the European circuit. He's been German champion, et cetera, et cetera. Belgian champion, I think. He's just been dominating the European MMA scene. Credit to him for taking that fight because I think he knew exactly what was going to happen and he stepped into that cage willing to go into the fire and try and slow down this absolute monster. And obviously he failed at that. But because... The middleweight division is so thin right now and so lacking incredible title challenges. Magomedov looks so good. He has that name. He has the fan base behind him. He's the Dagestani, right? That automatically brings with it a rabid fan base to build up a big fight. He looked amazing. Let's stop fucking around. He's 34 years old. He's a huge MMA veteran. Get him someone in the top 15 immediately. Get him Andre Muniz. Get him um, Brad Tavares. Get him even Nasadine Imabov, who fought his card. But get him someone in the top 15. If he wins there, you give him a Marvin Vittori. And you give him Marvin Vittori headlining a fight night in Italy. European star in Marvin Vittori. You get another European fighter in Magomedov who brings his own fan base. That event will be absolutely huge because you've got to fast track this guy in the same way they did with Alex Pereira to get Israel Adesanya another credible title challenger, or at least someone different, someone new. So let's build this guy up quickly. Let's turn him around in three months' time, two months' time, even get him on a card before the end of the year. Get him, you know, it's, it's September. It's only the beginning of September. He could turn around and fight twice if he wanted to before the end of the year, if he's, if he's wanting to get a crack on. But let's fast-track this guy, get him some top 15 credentials, get him some top five credentials, and go, hello, this is a monster, someone di different for, for Israel Adesanya to have a look at. A fresh challenge for Israel Adesanya as well, because recycling the middleweight division just ain't it for me at this point, at least not now. Let's get him Pereira, and if he comes through that challenge, which, by the way, let's not make light of that challenge, because Pereira looks like an absolute monster and he's terrifying and he's been saying he's been plotting and watching for three years to watch this fight or to, to get this fight and beat Izzy inside the octagon so this is not something that I'm taking for granted but if Izzy wins let's find a way to get Mega Medal straight to the title and he looks the business now let's make sure let's verify his credentials and see what he's like again top 15 top 5 and go from there yeah so I reckon that's credit him yeah, and, and that's why I Give, give, give Vittori a bit of time off and say, you know what, Marvin, you've had some great fights with us. You're constantly competing at the top of the division. We want to go to Italy. You're Italy's biggest MMA star. Here you go, son. You've earned it. Have a fight night. We'll build it around you. You can main event it. We'll do that for you. You've done for us. Superb. Let's get into Italy. Yeah, love it. Any other fights you wanted to touch on on that card? Because we... I'm very excited to talk about the upcoming pay-per-view. I know, I know. We've got to get to two sets. A few. Well, I, I, I'll run through these quickly. I've got to say, Nathaniel Wood. Man, Nathaniel Wood looked brilliant. Best performance of his career. 
beat Charles Do- Jourdain. How much did he have on him? He just, he just, I don't want to talk about the amounts, <laughs> but I, I, we, 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 Whenever you're that enthusiastic we him, about a, big... a fight like that, I know there's money on the table. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Conor McGregor level. Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo. That's the level you're on. <laughs> And he came, he came. He came through for me. I've Got to be honest, it, it was needed. Got, got to go. Uh, you know, my my, my wife lo- lo- love her to death, but she was not having a good time with the online roulette. So my, I was bringing it back for us <laughs> on Saturday night. Winning, winning fights. She was she was picking red and black, and she was picking wrong every single time. So I brought it back. Re- replenished replenished the old Bet three six five account with some serious serious <laughs> accurate betting. That is so true. Shout love. out me. Shout out the. Shout out Nathaniel. That is true love. That is that is I'm actually jealous. a loving, committed relationship. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> she's, she's she's sat on the couch looking at me, giving me absolute evils now. So I'm gonna be in for it after I get off this recording. Forward to <laughs> but yeah, no, great 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 performance by Nathaniel Wood. He looks like a legit prospect at 145 pounds. Let's not forget Charles Jordan arguably just beat Shane Burgos, who was in the top 15. He didn't, so he didn't get moved into the top 15. Nathaniel Wood. Get him someone. Get him a ranking ranked fight. Let's get him a ranked opponent uh, for the start of next year um, because I'm sure he'll want a bit of a rest now. Quick turnaround between UFC London and, and UFC Paris here. Credit to him for not wasting any time. Really look forward to seeing what he's going to be able to do. I mentioned I mentioned uh, Nasuddin Imamov, Imamov, who is Russian but fighting out of France. He was a huge home favorite. He looks sensational. I mean, he beat the brakes off Joaquin Buckley for the first two rounds, and that looked like two two weight classes apart. He was an absolute monster in there compared to Joaquin Buckley. Tell you what, though, Buckley was getting his ass beaten, and his corner said, you've got to go out there, put it all out there. And credit to him, he came out and swung nonstop for the last five minutes of that fight and put it on him above, who at some point was kind of struggling with it. And I was sweating because I had some money on him above as well. And Joaquin Buckley kicks and punches like a damn horse. I tell you. And he, he put it all out there. So credit to him. His stock went up taking on such a difficult opponent. Got to credit Joaquin Buckley. But if his team can get him down to 170 pounds, trim some of that muscle off, he is going to be a problem at welterweight if they can do that. And I think this fight highlighted that he probably needs to move down if at all possible. He looks He looked really good. Um, in the third round after being outclassed by just size and strength. So credit to him. Uh, other fights, other fights. Benoit Saint-Denis, the, the French assassin, the man who's definitely killed people with knives and then fights in the octagon for fun. Just, he looks sensational. He beat the brakes off, off Miranda. Great performance for him in front of his home crowd. And Farah Ziam looked really, really good against, uh, what was his name? Polish guy, Figlak, I think uh, Figlak, Michael Figlak, who was coming out of Cage Warriors, highly touted prospect, it seems, based off what they were saying on the broadcast, undefeated, hadn't lost a round, and Ferris ZM put on a really good show against him. And then finally, coming out of the Dana White Contender Series, Mexico, stand up, because you've got another guy here. You've got a guy at 135 pounds who's going to be a problem, because he can strike, he's massive, he's rangy. Christian... Quinones, I think is his name. Quinones, Quinones. He looked really good. He looked really good. And he was an underdog and brought into the books, had no business winning that fight, but he looked sensational in his performance. So shout out to him. I thought he looked good. I'm curious to see what they do next with him because a lot of guys at 100 
five pounds until you start getting up there are going to struggle just one of those body types i feel like we need to create overall, some man. sort of punch drunk um black book where we just start adding fighters in that you know fighters to watch and then once they progress and win a few more we'll add them to like you know fighters to bet on all this sort of stuff and then we can just create this system where it's just the parlays write themselves because our black book is so <laughs> so accurate <laughs> i think we should we should man we should actually we should uh make, make notes of, of fighters and a little document of guys that we're excited to see what happens next and we go oh yeah remember that guy we saw him then write down the event what we liked about him and excited for the next matchup i think that's a really good idea we should start doing that all right done now can we please please talk about nate diaz's funeral (laughs) (laughs) ufc 279 nate diaz six feet under yeah it's um it's one of the most one-sided matchups you're going to see in a long time the betting margins are absolutely out of control nate diaz is an eight to one underdog already it's probably only going to get worse and it feels very much a question of of not if but when is Kamzat Chumayev gonna bury Nate Diaz? That's most likely what's gonna happen, right? He's so much bigger, he's so much stronger. Rory McDonald was able to ragdoll and wrestle Nate Diaz to the ground. Nate Nate Diaz isn't a good wrestler. His jujitsu off his back is good. He's a good grappler. But in terms of stuff stopping the takedown, I think Kamzat's gonna be able to do that at will. The question is. Is he going to be able to finish Nate or is Nate going to be able to drag this out into the later rounds? Because there probably is some questions about Kamzat's condition because he looked gassed. He looked tired in that third round against Gilbert Burns. Can Nate Diaz weather the storm? Can the scar tissue on his face not explode too badly so a doctor has to come in and stop the fight a la Jorge Masvidal? But can Nate Diaz survive and drag it into the deeper waters? Can he cause... This might be... If Nate's able to do this, we talk about Matt Serra GSP. We talk about Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena. This, I don't know what the, the, the odds are, but this would have to say, given the context, given the writing off of this fight, given how much the Yuri just wants to see the back of Nate Diaz at this point, and he wants to go and do his own thing. This might be the most monumental, most significant upset in UFC history, if it happens. Given the plans for Chimaev, given Nate Diaz is rolling off into the sunset and there isn't going to be a rematch, <laughs> all of those things might make it the biggest upset in UFC history, in MMA history, ever, if <laughs> Nate Diaz is able to do the unthinkable. And because of, because of everything you just said, I so badly want Nate Diaz to win, like, somehow. Like, Bro, there would be me nothing better. Too. <laughs> like, we, me uh, too. Fuck you to so many people, including us. Like, we're paying out on him. Yeah, but, um, yeah I would love oh, to see it. Dan, because- just Dana's face in the presser if Nate Diaz somehow wins that Dude, fight. He's going to be so mad. He's going to be the reddest tomato you've ever seen. And for that like reason, Hulk I'm Hogan. putting Nate in the parlay. <laughs> <laughs> No, but if yeah, I was no, we're him, not touching that fight. In yeah, no, definitely. Or maybe as it's on its own, but not in a parlay. Um, yeah. If I was Nate, I'd just lay on my back at the start of every round and be like, just come at me. Um, I'm also, <laughs> this is how it'll be done. And he'll probably still lose, happens. but yeah. that's the move. Tell you what, I, I, I do have to laugh, though. If this is also going to be a battle of, you know, who's, who speaks the best English because... You need subtitles for both of these guys at this point. Nate Diaz has just dropped off a cliff. He's just slurring and mumbling his words. And you got Hamzat Shemaev. I think English is his third language. And his English might be better than Nate's at this point. 
punch drunk defined is Nate. <laughs> <laughs> if this actually, yeah. like, if this upset happens, honestly, there's just no, there's no guessing parlays anymore. It's like literally anything can happen in any fight and let's stop trying to predict anything in MMA. Yeah, no, it's it certainly feels that way. It really does feel that way. Let's have a look at some of the other fights on the card, though, because as I said, this one has gotten a bit stronger. We've got a welterweight matchup between the Leech, Lee uh, Jing, Jing Lang, and Tony Ferguson, which is interesting. Quick turnaround for Tony oh, Ferguson after that. taking that tremendous knockout. I really hope Tony wins, man, but you do get the feeling the UFC is just feeding him to the Leech so they can go, hey, look, we have a Chinese star who just ran through Tony Ferguson. That's the feeling I'm getting from this one, and that's the way I think the fight's going to go, and I'll probably bet. But I'm not confident enough. I don't think this is a parlay fight either. We've got to be a bit more sensible with the punch drunk parlay. We're going to work it out. We've got to be a bit more sensible. We've got to stop taking too many risks. But uh, I will be betting risks. I'll be betting, I'll, be, I'll be betting on the leech. I will be betting on the leech. Uh, what else on this card? We've got a catchweight bout between Kevin Holland and Daniel Rodriguez, which I think is a really fun fight, man. I think it's a really, really fun fight. Kevin Holland is so much fun. D-Rod is such an underrated fighter. I'm not sure why it's a, a catch weight. I think uh, I, I genuinely not sure why why this is uh, why this is catch weight, but I don't really care. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> Kevin, I'm picking Kevin title. Holland <laughs> for the for the catch weight title. Yeah, let's have a look at the odds here. Kevin Holland is a big favorite. He's paying a dollar forty-seven compared to D-Rod, who's two seventy-five. D-Rod is dangerous. He's a really dangerous guy, but I think Kevin Holland is just too classy, too slick, too fast on the feet, and that's why I would I would propose to put him as one of the final legs of the parlay. But I'm really I'm really looking forward to that fight. That's going to be that's that's an MMA purist's fight. That's a, someone who just loves fighting. That's the kind of fight that you want to see. Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez. That's that's a really fun one. Yeah, man. I uh, I actually didn't realize how strong this card is. It's it's underrated strong because it is it's just it's really underrated because of the main event. It's become a meme, and everyone. I think when the main card. event was announced, too, the card was fairly weak, but it's slowly it was, gotten stronger. Yeah. And, Definitely uh, gotten stronger. They've added fun. they've added Ferguson. They've added Kevin Holland. We've got Alvin Aldana against uh, Macy Chasson. Um, Aldana's the favorite in that one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Not not betting that. Although I might just probably you know. Women's MMA, you, you always come out on top pretty much if you bet the fight to go the distance. So I might look at that. Johnny Walker versus Jan Kutalaba to open the card. This is a huge one for Johnny Walker, man. If he wants to get his career back on track after after that horrendous, horrendous knockout that he got against uh, was against Jamal Hill. Remember that one where he was like just sent into the sent mm. into the netherworld. That was fun. He's lost. He's lost four out of his lost. Uh, excuse me, lost four out of his last five fights. This is this is absolute put up or shut up time for Johnny Walker. He looks in great shape. He's been training with Hamzat Chimaev out there at All Stars in Sweden, I believe, or at least they've, they've definitely been training together, putting some pictures up on the old IG. And yeah, he's taking on he's taking on uh, Kutalaba, who. Yeah, that's it's it's an interesting one. Kutalaba, what, what what's happened with him recently? He I remember he yeah he lost to to Ryan Span, really impressive performance, and he's yeah really he's only won one in his last five as well. He had that split draw with Dustin Jacoby, but other than that, he's he's been on a very bad run of it as well. This is this could be win or go home. This could be whoever loses might get released from the UFC at this point. So huge stakes. I'd like to see Johnny Walker win. I think he's 
fun guy. He had so much potential. I'd like to see him reach that. So I, I am, I am, I'm not even sure what the odds are. Let's see here. Wow, Kutalab is a big favorite, man. Big favorite. That's interesting. I mean, it, may, it, it I guess it makes sense based off of how Johnny Walker's looked and so load up on Johnny. But I just want it. Yeah, not in the parlay, but I will be having a little sprinkle on Johnny probably. Just, <laughs> why not? Why not? The odds are good. Yeah, I, I feel like Johnny into Nate Diaz into Tony Ferguson is just a no-brainer oh, parlay. Oh, mate, the a- absolute triple dog parlay. Imagine if that hits. We're retiring. We're going to Sizzler. We're retiring. We're, yeah, we're doing it all. We're, wow. At this point, if that hits, I'll probably still be down. <laughs> <laughs> the hole is that deep the hole's so deep now that you've just got to keep digging and come out the other side yeah uh, some other, some load other up, fights uh, few, load up is it always load up there's a few fun fights left on this card that i quickly want to talk about because we've got the featured prelim bout is hakeem dawudu against juicy j julian arosa the Wodu is fun, man. I, I I can't remember the last time he fought. Let's pull up his record real quick. But I do remember, almost like in the Black Book, making a mental note going, the, this is someone I, I, I want to follow. Yeah, Michael Michael Trezano. I remember that was a good performance. And he's just got a solid record, man. 13-2-1. Okay, he lost to Movsar Evloev. Sorry, difficult name to pronounce. Evloev. But... I like the Woody man. He's 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 impressed me. Juicy, um, Juicy J is a veteran. Uh, he's he's a, he's a tough guy. He's been around the block. Uh, I'm interested to see how Hakeem does. I think this is a bit of a, a benchmark. Where's he at right now? But Juicy J is no mug man, and he's coming off some some really good some really good victories. If you look at the names now, in reflection, you go, wow, he tapped Charles Jordan. He TKO'd Nate Landwehr, who had that incredible performance just a couple of weeks ago. Juicy J is no no mug man. This is this is going to be a really interesting fight. I'm going with Hakeem. He's the big favorite uh, here at a dollar forty four against Juicy J, but who's paying two dollars eighty seven? Yeah, man, I like that, and I think a lock is going to be Norma Dumont against uh, this Danielle Wolfchick as well. So let's get let's get Norma Dumont in in the parlay. Let's get her I in the parlay. Hope that your betting form stays as is, and uh, we'll be rich men in a week, mate. I w- I was in the zone on Saturday, absolutely in the zone. It was it was incredible, got to say. I was on form. But yeah, so let's talk about this parlay because I think that's all the fights. Oh, actually, one more fight I do want to talk about. We're going to have a really fun heavyweight scrap between Jake Collier and Chris Barnett. These dudes are just going to throw down. Obviously, Chris Barnett went viral for that incredible spinning wheel kick knockout of John Vellante. But he's a huge underdog, paying $4. Load up, Load up on Chris <laughs> Barnett because... Jake Collier is the consistency of a bag of milk. That's <laughs> what his physique looks like. And Chris Barnett had a really rough performance in his last outing against Martin uh, Boudet. But and shout out to Combat Sports UK. Head over there. There's an exclusive interview that was done. And the bit of backstory there is that Paul Chris Barnett, during his last fight, his, his fiance at the time, was hospitalized with encephalitis, which is like inflammation of the brain. Unfortunately, she subsequently ended up dying as a result of it. But he did this fight camp with his fiance, the mother of his two children, in hospital. He gets to fight week. Things are starting to trend in the right direction. 
30 hours before the fight, he gets a call basically saying, she's probably not going to make it. We need to make a decision kind of thing. She hung on for a few more weeks, bless her afterwards, but unfortunately succumbed to her battle. So you've got all that going on in the background. He said for the first, in this interview, he says for the first time in his life, he was in a fight, but he knew he wasn't in the fight. He just had nothing in there. He wasn't interested. Obviously, he just couldn't get it together in there. He lost the fight by, it was a, it was actually a, um, he got an illegal elbow to the back of the head. And he couldn't continue, but it was like he, he'd lost enough rounds, if I recall correctly. The odds are not right in this fight, man. Chris Barnett's got hands. He's fast. And he said he wants a striking fight. That's what Jake Collier wants. At $4, two big boys throwing leather in the center of the octagon. Anything could happen. So, yeah, get on Chris Barnett. I'm supporting the guys. He's one of, like, a fan favorite in MMA. He's obviously been through an incredibly difficult time. So I really hope he wins. I really, really hope Chris Barnett gets a win, gets a bonus, gets a new contract with the UFC. Let's. I want to see some good things happen for him. Please. What a story. That, what a crazy story. story. Really sad story, but it would be an amazing story if he's able to, to mm. overcome all this adversity and, and, and do well in this fight. So, yeah, that's all. He's paying $4. Get on, load up on Chris Barnett because that's a crazy line. That doesn't make any sense to me. And because we've got a pretty big audience here, those odds will probably come in as soon as people start listening. We are to market this, so movers. And, and, you know, the, the size of the wages that I'm betting as well, <laughs> I am a market mover. I move the line. The bookies fear me. Well, yeah, I might have to li- Yeah, I might have to join you in a live stream for this one because I want to join in the fun. I didn't have a very fun Absolutely. weekend. So, uh <laughs> Your, your pies went down, didn't they? Yeah, they did by goal. Um, it was rough. No, nah, it was honestly amazing. Holy shit. 95,000 at the MCG. It was br- brilliant. The atmosphere would have been out of control for, for a local derby as well. Yeah, it was it was fucking amazing. And, um, you know, we we finished fourth too long, who we played, finished on top. So you sort of expected to lose that. And then you get the, um, the second chance. Tried to redeem themselves this weekend. So hopefully um, I'm not suicidal next time we record. <laughs> Well, I might be, but just not for that reason, hopefully. Just not for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) You just Hopefully just just because the parlay lost again. (laughs) I was going to say, no, you just sat back and assessed your life again. You're like, really? Fuck, yeah, I really do get impacted by something I can't control at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's healthy. Now, all right, speaking of the parlay, which is definitely going to win, this is going to be, this is it. I can smell it. I can taste it. This is a redemption story, a tale as old of time. We've been on a bad streak. We're fighting for our lives. We're treading water, as, and this is it. This is going to be it. This is going to be one that turns it around. So we're thinking, we're starting, we're going to start off with, with Norman Dumont. I think that's that's easy money. Then I'm going to go that into Hakim Dawoodoo. Then I'm going to go with, I'm going to go, I think we should go with uh, Irene Aldana. I think we, we roll with her. And then we cap the leg off with Kevin Holland to win over Daniel Rodriguez. If we just throw all those in together, let's see. What $4.47, son. I like that. I like that. You're getting better odds than me. I'm going to only get $4.20 on old Bet365. So, so send me a shout out to, grand. I'll, I'll throw some more on. Yeah, sounds good. We'll do it. I'll, 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 uh, I'll bank transfer that soon. But I like that. Four, fourfold, punch string parlay. I'm going, to throw, I'm going to throw that on right now. We like it. So we're going to go Norma Dumont into Hakim Duodu, into Irene Aldana, into Kevin Holland. There we go. Happy days. Wager placed. It's coming home, baby. We're going to turn this one around and we're going to get you back on track with a successful 
punch drunk parlay. One more thing before we get on out of here. We've got to talk about Nate Diaz again. Obviously, one side of the main event in this. And it's just turned out that Nate Diaz is launching his own MMA promotion, according to Ariel Helwani. He's applied for his promoter's license and he's launching a promotion called Real Fight Inc. He's taking Dana White's advice because what's Dana White's retort when anyone's criticizes fighter pay? On start your own promotion. Well, Nate's doing that. It's going to be boxing. It's going to be jujitsu. It's going to be MMA. The tagline is real fighters. Sorry, excuse me. Let's start again. Its tagline is real ninjas, real fighters, real shit. Nate will be applying for his promoter's license in the coming weeks to form Real Fight Inc., a new promotion that will focus on promoting combat sports shows, specifically boxing, MMA, and BJJ. The new venture has no bearing on his status as a fighter where he will continue to be very active. Well, I wouldn't say Nate is a very active fighter, but active at least. The promotion will look to attract fighters from around the world, whether it be up-and-coming prospects or household names who fit the brand of real ninjas, real fighters, real shit. And you know what? I'm here for it, man. Get another promotion in the game. If they're going to be paying proper money, and I'm sure the Diaz brothers are going to have no shortage of sponsors to get around this, like some medical weed company or just some weed company is probably going to put massive money into this to be the main sponsor or one of the main sponsors. Let's see it, man. Let's get some guys, some paychecks. Hopefully it works out. Just another MMA promotion for us to pay attention to, see what's going on. I'm I'm all for it. So I hope it works out for him. I hope, I hope Nate's able to become a very wealthy man as a result of this venture. So I'm looking forward to seeing yep. when that launches. We I assume know. it'll be next year. <clears throat> He's a man of his word, so it will guaranteed be real shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find us at Punch Drunk Pod on Instagram, Punch Drunk Pod on TikTok, Punch Drunk Pod underscore on Twitter, uh, Punch Drunk Pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on the homepage and every page of tarpsoffsports.com. We are plastered all over. We look like a 1970s wallpaper on that thing. And uh, what else can people find us on? Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere. Give us five-star ratings, please, if you were listening to this. Take take the 15 seconds. Go and give us five stars. It helps other people find the podcast and can help us continue to grow over our next 50 episodes when we bring up our 100 we're going to have a mid-life podcast crisis now. Are we going to go out and buy a sports car for the podcast, or what are we going to do? Uh, I think we're going to um, probably Well, when the parlay start- wins this weekend, <laughs> we'll be able to. Yeah, we're probably going to start the uh, Punch Strong Black Book and then, uh, you know, not follow through with it after about a week, which should be good. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. And then, yeah, maybe if we're in a midlife crisis, I don't know, maybe you should get a divorce. Uh <laughs> No, thanks. I'm very happy. <laughs> nah, it's all right. Gambling on the couch, honestly, is low-key one of the cutest things you've ever told me about your relationship. So uh, <laughs> it's healthy shit. And uh, there's there one other thing I wanted to touch on, and I can't remember what it was, but, uh, yeah, congratulations on a really healthy marriage, Matt. Um, I aim to be there at some point. We'll get you there. We'll get you across the line. We've just got to... Whip you into shape, mate. Make you an eligible bachelor. <laughs> I just need to win a fucking parlay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's all you need. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Go, Nate Diaz. Let's go, Nate.